Japanese folklore, there's a legend of the Jinmu. Known as the Golden Crow, these storied objects were depicted as three-legged crows contained within fiery orbs. Early legends count ten of these creatures that settled across ten different suns. They were housed within a giant tree from which they would be dispatched every morning to travel across the world. Occasionally, they descended to Earth to consume a special type of grass of immortality. At one point, the legends tell of the ten crows leaving at the same time causing the world to burn. Total catastrophe was avoided by the great celestial archer Huyi, who struck down all but one of the destructive creatures. Could these accounts of burning orbs be seen as early interpretations of extraterrestrial UFOs? Japan's history contains perhaps another, more recent event where a small fishing village may have had a close encounter with a being not of this planet. This case file joined the theorists as they sip some sake around the Japanese campfire tale of the Utsuro Buni UFO. Welcome to Alien Theorist Theorizing Case File 187 Utsuro Buno Bune UFO. Close enough. And the UFO stands for Unidentified Floating Object. I'm Braden. I'm Zell. I'm Dan. And I'm Tiny Andrew. You said it, not us. Finally. (laughs) There we go. Finally admitted it. Yeah, Uh, first step is admitting you have a problem. Yeah good now first things first mm. we're done with that fucking running challenge fuck the challenge is over <laughs> running challenge it's is over. done <laughs> okay we, i gotta ask dan have you been riding a bike this whole time or what no dan's been well, trolling, trolling me trolling the me first, with a bike ride there's no way you can ride a bike that slow that doesn't make <laughs> sense it's <laughs> not a fuck unless you're walking well, you i'd can. fall over if i rode it that slow <laughs> dan's a uh, secret marathon runner if no one knew all of a sudden, he, now well, we know. he also didn't run for the first twenty days. He was just logging fake runs. Had him private. <laughs> so, just saying, it's all running. Um, you know, we had some good. Uh, the winner again is uh, Mister Zeitgeist. Absolutely mm-hmm. crush it. So the record, the record for the most kilometers traveled, was held by him uh, with four hundred and eighty-eight uh, kilometers last year. And he beat his own record. So he is the new ATT record holder for uh, most distances logged in the running challenge with 499.18 is the official record. Um, So last year, 2020, we did, we had 57 participants. Uh, We logged 3,850 kilometers and we had nine people with over a hundred kilometers logged this year. We logged 6,038 kilometers. Wow. We had 115 participants. We had 20 people with over 100 kilometers logged. Woo. That's a fucking... People be running this year. People be running this year. Uh, Congratulations to everyone who participated. Uh, You're all a little bit more fit than you were a month ago. And a little bit sore, and your knees are probably fucked. Yeah. (laughs) 
He, uh, You're welcome. Well, hey, uh, Mr. Zeitgeist in the chat, he said, damn, he didn't know he would have pushed it to make that 500. Uh, now you gotta, now you gotta go for next year, buddy. Better luck next year. And the way Dan's moving, you know, you might have Dan to put up Dan, some numbers next year. Let me tell you something. Turtle versus the hare, or tortoise versus the hare, whatever the fuck it is. Zeitgeist versus Dan, 1v1. I gotta ask Dan a question. Dan, what did you, do you play sports as a kid? I played soccer and stuff, but not a lot. Like I didn't play, I didn't play sports in high school. You didn't like, you weren't a competitive athlete. No, but I I would describe myself as a kind of, (laughs) I no. when I was in the Navy and stuff like you guys, I mean, you guys didn't know me before. Like when I was in the Navy and stuff, like I was into lifting, like I was an athlete. Like it's not like, well, yeah, lifting is one thing, but running is the other thing. No, I did running too. Like I did, like I did running. I took the whole like you know back when um, Vibrams were a thing, the five finger foot oh, yeah, shoes or whatever. Yeah, the toe I was shoes. running in those. I was running five, you know, ten k's, whatever. It's like it's not. It's I, not I'll say this: I was, I was Dan. Now I will, you know, suspiciously hand over the title of the <laughs> the uh, the running the, the running theorist to you. Uh, you beat me this year. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> congrats uh no it was good good month um i'm gonna keep running i it, i re- i was hurt near the end i couldn't really run without pain <laughs> which was uh, a tough one so uh, i've had it i haven't run since the last day i think i put on a 6k or something um but i'm gonna try to keep running through the summer this year and not just wait till next april to run again which i did that was my strategy going into this month. <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm going to take the title of top theorist in the running challenge, but not by much. And only reason is because Dan. Oh, that's right. Dan, Dan would run, run earlier than me, so I'd have to see how crazy Dan was running, and then I'd have to try and match him. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. so Dan isn't the? No, I forgot. No, Zell so beat Zell him won? at the. I Zell win. beat him with five minutes left before midnight. <laughs> Zell went for a quick two k to take the. To purely running on fucking salt. That's yeah. all it was. Dude. Just a salty motherfucker putting on fucking kilometers. Well, I, Dan ran twenty the last day, and I was like, "Oh, this motherfucker!" And then I was like, "Okay, well, I can I can run 20. And I was running, and then during the run, I just hear the, in the chat like, "What the fuck, Dan? Jesus, Dan!" I was like, "Oh fuck, did Dan run again?" I was like, "Well, I guess I can just stop running now." So I finished the run. I, I was a little bit late. Ladies all got mad. So I had, I ended at 18K. I was like, oh, fuck. I checked. I was like, Dan's up by like six and a half K. I was like, this motherfucker's running two. He's running the last four days. He's running two days, 10K a yeah, day. But this, much. this is after the conversation we had. Like I put all my cards on the table at the beginning. I said the day before, we're going to do 20K. Let's go. Zell's like, no, don't do 20K. I'm like, no, we can do 20K. We can do it, man. Like, don't you and do he's like, 20K. He's like, no, you better do it all in one run. You better do it all. I better not see it because I had been running like six, seven K like uh, twice a day know, in the morning and in the afternoon. I've been doing that and splitting up. And I said, okay, I'll do 20K. No problem, man. Let's, let's go. No right? problem. And I told Zell, but I told Zell, I was like, if you, if you need to break it up, you can, you can do that. Like, if you need to break it up to, to keep up, like, that's fine. You can do that. So I put all my, I ran 20K in the morning and then Listen in the afternoon I was still guy. pretty good. I was like, guy. all right, well, I'll run another like 7K. Got fucking Carl Lewis over here just running his mouth. That's, well, that's the reason I had to beat Dan because he's talking. You can break it up. You can break it up. Dan was talking so much smack that I was like, well, I can't let him win. 
No, good for you. Couldn't do uh, it. Well, I knew I, I knew Zell's the kind of person that it's like if you put a goal in front of him. Uh, th- this I I think the best thing to come out of this is I've gotten to know Zell a little bit better. I know he'll do anything to win, and that includes waiting until the last minute to load up his last run. I dude, and I, I was calling him when you were ahead of him. <laughs> you were ahead of him by like point one or point two miles. I was calling him. I was like. And shooting him texts, I was like, whatever you're doing, wake up. You have to go for a run. I was you in have bed. to go. You're so I close. To see. I wanted to see. I knew Zell was going to do one of two things. He was either going to wait till I w- he thought I was asleep, and then he was going to try and beat me. He's going to wait till about midnight my time, and then he was going to go out and run about 9 p.m. Or he was going to wait until the last minute to load up his last runs. So <laughs> I knew he was going to do one of those two things, in which he did both. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> hey, like, you're racing against then, a vampire. I he doesn't need the, to sleep. In the group dude. chat, I'm saying, oh, you know, I was like, I went out. I was at 1:30. I was still awake. Um, Go to bed. I woke up for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, I I was actually asleep, and then I woke up and I saw a notification that Zell had run a, a little bit more and was up above by like 0.1. I was like, all right, let's see how bad he really wants it, right? So I went out. I did like a quick like 0.3 kilometers, like up and down the block. Came back in, set it up. And then, like, yeah, Brayden had already called out Zell. He's like, way to go, Zell, uh, using the time zones to screw over Dan, you know? <laughs> uh, Strategy. And then, uh, so, and then I'm like, hey, it's fine. Like, it's like, I know Zell. He'll crawl out of bed if he has to do it. <laughs> Brayden says he's trying to call him and he's trying to, I'm trying to call him and like get him to, to do one more run. And I was like, Zell will do it. Like, if he has to crawl out of bed, if he's got to fucking crawl that last, you know, couple kilometers, he'll fucking do it. I know he'll do it. And then we didn't hear anything from Zell, like, the, for an hour. Didn't hear anything from him. And then, like, at pretty much, what was it? It was probably about, like, 11.50 Pacific Standard Time. So it was, like, 3 in the morning, my time. Uh, he he posts his last runs, and he's like, go to sleep, Dan. Right? <laughs> yeah. And well, it's just, like, it was so funny. I was like, because for a second, I was like, man, maybe I don't know Zell as good as I thought I did. And then when he posted, I was like, nope, I know Zell just as much as I thought. I'm I in bed. I, I'm watching Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. <laughs> and I get a text from, I, I, I hear a call. I'm like, who the fuck's calling me this late? I'm, I'm not answering it, so I don't check it. And then that, I check my phone, like, half an hour later and brain's like you got to go for a run and i, was and like, I, I told what? him i said i said do not check the facebook chat because then dan will know you saw stay off the facebook chat you oh can do wow this. so it took a, oh it took all of you to beat me oh my god so oh it took man. All our two canadians powers. couldn't even stand up no oh, I, well, I, I was gonna i was i was going to check at 11 45 because i thought dan might have logged the last minute so I was, yeah, I was prepared to pull that shit. No, I put all my cards on the table. I told you guys I was going to play it fair and I did. Well, <laughs> well you guys had to, you got, you both had to hey. conspire to, hey. to win and that's fine. I know that I, now I know you guys will do anything to win. So, well, I mean, and there's props need to be fucking given out too, because one of these motherfuckers was doing three runs a day, one of them before work, one of them on his fucking lunch break and one of them home. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you right tough. now, if Braden didn't have a fucking job, I don't know, man. I, I would have been up there. Here's the thing, though. I'll say this. I'll, I hold the record that anyone can participate next next year. You got to do it at least <laughs> once. You got you have an hour and a half to drink a bottle of wine and eat a medium popcorn <laughs> chicken, and then you run a six k after an that's, hour. That's the real k. challenge. That's the real ATT. You're gonna make it the, every Holy single shit. fan shit their pants. Anybody that competes, they're gonna shit their pants like you I did. Didn't, I didn't shit my pants. I puked. You had to shut it down. You had to <laughs> shit I didn't have pants. to shut it down. I had, you called me. Dan, do you know what I know yeah. what I did though? When I got up, so I ran, I ran like a one point five, because I need your head, your head, your head by two hundred meters. So I ran a one point five at eleven forty five. It took me to like eleven fifty five, 
I logged it and I kept running because I thought maybe you were had like a yeah, sneak I know, attack. Yeah, that's why you logged too because I figured you kept that you kept that extra one. I knew I knew that's what you were doing. Like I knew you were gonna load up one more. Like, I thought I you like, had a sneak no. attack. I thought you had a sneak attack waiting for eleven fifty nine. I was like, oh, this motherfucker. So I had nope, I ran I another exactly five, what I said I was gonna do. I said I do twenty kilometers. I ran another point run. five at eleven fifty eight and I logged it at the very end. <laughs> nope. No tricks on that stuff. So I was just playing. I was playing Braden's game. The the, 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 the late run. The late run. The micro run. Anyways, it felt good to run that much. Am I going to keep running? No. <laughs> I'm not going to keep running to that extent. No. No chance. It's my fault. I could have said. I could have. I could have 100 said. Let's just load up our last runs at the same time. I could have said that. I, I can't say that anybody cheated because there were no rules. So. like so you know well dan, no dan didn't cheating. log a run for the first 21 days let's also remember that so yeah oh i did log runs no you didn't I have you didn't show runs. mystery runs mystery runs anyways so how about these aliens that are up in space forget and fucking aliens and planets yeah. and all that stuff let's maybe it's talk a cool, about that it, stuff that's a strange day where we have andrew saying talk he wants to talk aliens. about aliens let's go <laughs> Uh, it was a good month, everyone. Uh, I look forward to next month uh, or next year. I really, for the third annual one, I would love to see if we can um, partner with someone to, you know, maybe we can do some something chari- charitable with our running or... Run for charity. Yeah, or do something. <clears throat> I'm not sure what, but, um, you know, if we can double the numbers for next year, that'd be cool. And uh, see if we can... I like. I know it was posted halfway through that like Terry Fox started his run in April. So maybe we could do something with the Terry Fox uh, foundation. I don't know. We'll, oh, we'll, be cool. we'll, uh, we'll think about something. If you have ideas or charities or something, or, you know, groups or something you could put us in contact with for next uh, year's running challenge, let us know uh, any ideas and stuff. Shoot us. Uh, we want to do a little more planning uh, this year. Cause again, what, you know, I said this last year, what would be super fun is if the next year, if everything's free and good, we go somewhere and we run the last day together <laughs> with fans. We run, we do like an ATT 5K in LA or something. We'll see. Right? We ATT run the ATT 5K through Skid Row. Through Skid yeah. Row. Yeah, <laughs> Skid right. Row. Full sprint. Right past the Cecil Hotel. <laughs> Don't slow Ooh. down. All right. Anyways, let's get into it. Utsuro Bune. Is that how I say it? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Utsuro Bune. Japanese. Utsuro, yeah. Japanese. Um, let's get into it. It's an interesting uh, <laughs> alien case file of the floating So the Utsuro Bune UFO and F being for floating, so unidentified floating object, comes from probably the oldest account that we have or the furthest we can trace it back is from a book that had been published in 1815 called Oshukuzaki. Um, but the most well-known account of this event and probably the most detailed comes from a, a, an author named Kyokute Bakin. And he has a book which is titled Stories from the Rabbit Garden. And the Rabbit Garden was this kind of type of salon uh, hosted by him monthly for um, knowledge seekers, uh, you know, Twin Kai, whichever is like is kind of uh, the it, Red, well-read men of the day. Mm. So it was kind of like that. So it's the like dance. what we do every week, pretty much. Yeah, right. It was like alien theorists theorizing and rabbit garden in 18th century Japan <laughs> or 17th. Century. Mm. Um, so uh, you, the, the theory is that this probably this story um, or this account came from secondhand from 
these people because they they had a very it, during these discussions and these gatherings uh the con you'd usually have a concentration on things of really like the occult so it's kind of like the spiritualist kind of boom during like the early 1900s that you saw in the the western world in Europe and America and things like that. And they would swipe these accounts of, you know, legends and, and strange stories and things like that, as you would do probably if you're getting drunk with a bunch of fucking eggheads and shit. So I mean, yeah, what else sure. do you do? <laughs> um, now this one is known the the Kyokite account is unusual for being so specific because it was actually writ- written down 22 years after the incident actually right. occurred. <laughs> So on the 22nd of February, 1803 is when the event actually occurred. And this is when a strange object that was seemed to be some type of small boat or sea craft uh, was spotted off the shore. I'm still flabbergasted because unusually specific. That's like me now detailing the accounts of my 10th birthday. (laughs) I have no fucking idea. (laughs) <laughs> oh you don't so, yeah 22 years after the after the fact of like 10 10 so, years <laughs> that's a whole lot of fucking telephone game played within that time period yeah well oh, i'm yeah. thinking i'm like okay 10 years i'm like oh man that's a tough one <laughs> but i guess if it's i mean if again if this is now a super unusual story because i bet i have stories of like shit that happened to me 22 years ago that i like I can remember and retell because they're very every time unusual. you tell it, it gets a little bit more. Yeah, but that's what any story I tell. Exactly, <laughs> that's every yeah, anybody. That's, that's just a Braden story. Gets more grandiose the more times he tells it. Yeah. So this object was spotted off the shore of Tsuruhama, which is in the Hitachi province on the eastern coast of Japan, and it was a fishing village of of some type. And these, you know, fishermen and fisher folk. Uh, rode out to meet this object as it was coming in with this, you know, kind of floating out, bobbing out in the, in the surf and they managed to tow it in. Now they have, uh, we have rather exact measurements or pretty much like pretty Pretty close specific measurements of what this thing looked like. So they said that this vessel measured about uh, 3.3 meters tall and about 5.45 meters wide. So I found that, I found that very interesting because I was like, well, how the fuck did they know? Like, what how were they you they were you they weren't using the metric system um but apparently the they, the japanese like at this time had their own measuring system and that's these numbers converted into metric yeah it's right. the translation is basically where it gets yeah. to this right right and i was like i was like oh okay when i was like oh shit they were smart <laughs> smart me i'd be like i'm just holding stuff. my arms out i'm holding my arms out still this big <laughs> um the shape of the vessel was uh, described as being quite round, uh, similar to a ball, but also perhaps resembling more closely a covered incense burner. Have you ever seen one of those? So if, you, if you've seen a covered incense burner, I'm probably sure most of our fans probably own at least one. And it's like a tiny, <laughs> it's like, it, it looks like a flying saucer. Like, it's I mean, sweet things that they swing around at Catholic church. No, not oh, one of those. Okay. Yeah. Then. <laughs> Not one of those. It's probably like one of the smaller ones. It's like, you know, it has a... Yeah, but it's the same idea. It's the same idea. It's just a bigger one. (laughs) That's a good good visualization. Now now I'm getting it. I just Googled Googled incense burners and... uh, You get get a a bunch of dragons? You get a lot of shapes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So one of the round, uh, most of the times when you see it, because... um, 
the accounts, the original accounts, what we have from the the earliest book that was written or probably the one that was published in 1815 was like actually like a single page story about this uh, event was accompanied with the drawing. And and when I look at it, it looks like two rice bowls like put on top of each other. Like that's pretty much what what they drew it or they represented it as. Now, the top half seemed to. Yeah, Andrew's got a picture of it there. He's holding it up to the screen. Did you draw that? Oh, and right. So, there's, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of pictures of it, but if if you look at it, like that's how. Oh, I that's imagine. a fucking UFO on top of each other. It looks like it looks like a it really looks like a craft. Looks like a really deep UFO. Like usually, like more of a like a skinnier saucer, but in in the, these depictions, it's like a it's much deeper. Okay, if you've seen the flight of the navigator, that's what it looks like. It looks like a fucking recovery <laughs> capsule of a fucking rocket coming back. Oh shit! Yeah. Kind of. I didn't think of that before. And then when you pulled up that picture, only because I was, uh, you know, some space news we're going to talk about later. Uh, it kind of made me think of that kind of looks similar to that. How do you know we're going to be talking about space news? I have no idea. Oh, okay. Cool. I'm saying if we do. <laughs> oh. oh, okay. There's usually a high percentage. So he's not, he's probably not wrong. Like 75% right. That's fair. Now the top half of these, this craft was described as looking like something made of red lacquered rosewood. And it actually, one of the stranger things that they remarked as having like these, these small cut out square panels uh, that actually had windows windows. Yeah. And they seem to be patterned like folding screens is what they're described as. And then they just, instead of having, you know, the paper, like a folding screen, it was actually just, glass panels which is interesting because they really didn't have the ability to work glass like that i'd imagine back in the 1800s well extremely yeah, it's pretty rare it was like a very now glass was like a very like uh specialized trade like they had it in churches and stuff but it wasn't like a common was it a common you weren't fast thing? you weren't putting it on fucking floating boats no, I don't. Yeah, it, 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 was, it wasn't in like it wasn't in popular use in like in Japanese uh, shipbuilding at that time. Was and, that not eloquent and, enough for and, you? Andrew really liked that one. He's he's fucking lost it. <laughs> you weren't uh, putting on floating boats. I don't know why that was so funny, but it was great. The reaction was funny enough for yeah, me. You're right. We probably weren't. <laughs> The whole, right. the whole craft was sealed watertight, <laughs> so the water wasn't getting inside, and the bottom of the vessel seemed to be bound in what they described as uh, some type of metal. Yeah, like a metal, now, metal sheet, like sheeted in metal or something. And now, the craft itself was strange, but the people were even more surprised when the top of the craft actually seemed to swung open or swing open as it appeared to be hinged by some kind of latch or mechanism. And then inside of the craft, there was a woman, <laughs> a babe. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much what the description goes on to yeah. describe. She's a babe. <laughs> yeah. She's a floating babe. I mean, I don't, I don't think they. Did, well, I'm not sure. It, in my research, I came came across tried to be a little bit more objective, but I don't, I don't know what their <laughs> ideal of like. I, I didn't have her described as beautiful, but you, the description that they do. As soon as that lid popped, everyone was like sugoi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. Um, uh, she was described as having. I, uh, I just died in your arms, arms tonight. tonight. 
Must have been, must have something, been something you said. I just died in your arms tonight. I, I feel like the girl would look something kind of like uh, like this. Oh yeah, hundred yeah. <laughs> percent yeah. multi-pass. Yeah. Multi-pass. Maybe maybe, maybe bada boom. Maybe with more of a dress and less of a garment strands covering her body. Elu. Elu well, see, and there's, that's a that's a one thing I found interesting about this is that like all the descriptions of her is like a good looking pale skin um pinkish skin. very pinkish skin very red hair with like white extensions um get a weave yeah and then Fuck you know that. and some some weird fabric clothes that they've never seen before but then you look at the drawings and i'm like that's a japanese woman that you just drew. Well, but that's how they drew. Hair. That's how they drew them back then. Like they, I think they drew everybody like that. That's, Why did they give her red hair in the pictures when they drew her? Well, they probably. I, I think red ink was probably really expensive. They had it on her outfit. Yeah, yeah but you don't want to, you don't want to draw like a whole hair of red. Like that's that's a lot of. That's a lot that's of red a, That's a big red budget. You know what? They, none of these dudes could probably draw. So when they went back to the fucking police station and gave to the sketch artist, that's what they came up with. <laughs> that's what they got. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like Brayden said, she was described as having pale pink skin of some type. Her hair was extraordinarily red, uh, long, uh, hanging down to at least uh, probably like her, the middle of her back. And it had some type of strips of white or animal fur was said some, some kind of fabric something that we like weaved into her hair, like a, kind of like an extension or something. Mm-hmm. And there was also talk and there's also mention oh, of a, so some type of a powder that covered these extensions and they described it as being fine, almost like, like flour of some type. Um, uh, Braden also mentioned that she had a, she had a dress on that was of made of some strange material and also some strange fashion that nobody had ever seen before. And the women were actually quite, the women who did see it were actually quite interested. They described it as being kind of like, like tied on the top, I think, and loose on the bottom. And they just didn't know how they had done that or how that uh, they'd never seen something. Uh, well, uh, honestly, though, this is like before. a this is like a fish village. So in my head, I was like, you know, Japan at this time is like excommunicado from the west r- rest of the world. Yeah, right. it's, it, they got that Sakaku fucking. Yeah, so it's it's not like it, this is a this is like a random small town fishing village that isn't getting a lot of action, anyways. So it's like I imagine anyone from the outside world that would come and be like, "Whoa, what are they wearing?" Well, just to elaborate on that a little bit more, though, like between the 17th and the 19th century, Japan was adopted this policy, which basically isolated the entire country from the outside world. People weren't allowed to come in. People weren't allowed to leave. So like Braden's saying, anyone coming from a different country would look absolutely fucking bizarre. Yeah, right. I think their only their only real Western trading partner at the time was the Netherlands. So it's like the only and only in the really metropolitan areas, like you weren't like the capitals and things like that. You weren't going to really see uh, anything of Western influence outside of those and countries. Listen, I'm not saying that like the fish folk on the islands were uneducated in 1800s, but the fish folk we're talking like the we're fishing talking like folk, mermen and merwomen, oh. right? No, no, like the fish, the fishermen. Mer-man. I'm not, you know, fishermen. Oh. You know, fisher folk. education, but I'm saying fisher the fisher folk gotcha. in 1800 were uneducated <laughs> people. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't a job that like you would go and get an education and like of status. Like you know what I want to do? Fish go folk move to a rural village and fish with the fish. Yeah, folk. I mean th- those those fisher folk were probably just they were not 
as worldly call, as a person a real, who had lived in a you know in a capital is that what city you call them like that fisher folk yeah that, yeah is that a thing yeah really? fisher folk fisher folk okay yeah fisher men, right. fisher women fisher, fisher folk fisher folk yeah there could be fisher women and folk is a gender neutral term like it's i guess i don't term. know I do fisher folk i didn't know that was a that would was you a rather fisher people sure <laughs> fisher folk uh rolls off the tongue better i like it the fishing community <laughs> The Fisher uh, folk. Her height was measured at about 1.5 meters. And she carried some type of square box. 1.5 meters. So she's tiny. Yeah. She's, she's, like, small. she's like under five feet tall. Yeah. Right. She didn't speak Japanese. Uh, they, they said she spoke in a type of language that they were not familiar with, uh, the villagers, but in a, a you know, like 17th century. Uh, or you know like where are you gonna in a rural japanese village in the 1800s i'm sure you probably haven't heard a lot of foreign languages so listen this girl's lucky she landed in japan here with these fisher folk because from what i know about history it's not kind to random women showing up (laughs) in other parts of the world uh it's gonna taken a terrible turn anywhere else turn for the worst and one of the other very interesting parts is, uh, like I quickly mentioned before, there is the the matter of the square box that she was carrying with her. What's in the box? It wasn't like a, it was like a two foot square box, like a fairly large box. So she's just a small girl that's clinging onto this box. It seems, and she like. wouldn't let anyone. She wouldn't let anyone touch it. It's pretty obvious. We all know what the fuck's in the box. What's in the box? Gwyneth we know what's in the box. What's, what's in, the, in box? the box? We know what the box. There's a common theme to the last three case files. What do you think's in this box? We had a fucking blasting rod. We had Aaron's rod. Where are we? We're in Hitachi. This is the first generation Hitachi magic wand. <laughs> so it's just not letting anybody have it, man. That's what's going on. <laughs> not letting have, anybody have that thing. It's good as gold. What's the, what's the Hitachi's magic wand's power? She's, uh, she's got an intimate, She has an intimate connection with oh, that yeah. personal massager. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the Hitachi magic massaging wand. wand. Yes, that's yeah, right. That's... Yes, this is this must be the first iteration. Get no wonder, job done. Right, right. Every right, girl's right. best friend. No wonder she wouldn't let it out of her sight. Hmm. <laughs> they're watching. Basically, they're watching an intergalactic TV ad for the fucking Hitachi magic wand. That's that's all it is. That's where the story but comes from. It, it is peculiar that she she no one knows what's in it because she would not let anyone touch it. Iron grip. She was under direct. Possession of it the entire time. Yeah. Even if what do you like anything valuable? She's not going to be like, hey, yo, you want to check out this fucking box? You want to see all my worldly belongings that are in this box? All these random people that could take this shit from me whenever they want. Of course, she's holding that that tight, man. Like, even though they didn't get a glance inside the box, the villagers did manage to check the interior of this mysterious ship. And inside, they observed things like uh, they, they it seemed to be at least like the bottom of it was covered in the, these two sheets of some sort of carpeting, which was softer than anything they had felt before. So some sort of manufactured material. Uh, there were two containers, small containers of water, uh, which are described as being perhaps insufficient for actual survival so that there's no way that she could have been on a long voyage inside this ship and they were kind of there's theories being thrown around that perhaps the ship had some way to have manufactured its own fresh water had a desalinator on board that's what i'm, t- I'm saying for the very first desalinator was on board I mean, this ship even 
like you're saying that she might not have had sufficient like water to, you know, make it a long voyage. That fucking boat wasn't shaped to go on a long voyage either. That thing couldn't make it across the fucking sea. It was like, they said it was watertight top. It was like fully sealed. So if the hatch was closed, maybe it just bobs. It just bobbed around the ocean. There was no way you could sink it. It was airtight. I mean, there was, there's no means of propulsion that they could see. Fisher folk were familiar with, at least, that we or know they of. observed. Well, at, at, this, we at this time, we're at what, eight, early 1803 or whatever? Mm-hmm. Or is it not? There's no steamships yet, is there? 1803? 1803, I think we're still mm-hmm. on. Listen, we're, the we're, Fisher we're, folk don't know about steamships. Yeah, they're, they're, it's all <laughs> hand power. Are we still stuck on Fisher folk? It's Fisher folk. Like like individuals. Individuals there. Individuals. Individuals. You guys passed on that, and I was they really had disappointed. No I thought idea. I was pretty no, smart. I, I, okay, I'm on, I'm on board with individuals. I like Thank that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so wait, now, so they said they went up, the villagers went aboard the ship, and they, well, what's with the carpet? They said the softest right. carpet. They yeah, they poked seen. around on it and they said they had the, there's some sort of material that was that was lining the ship or lining this 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 boat or this craft or whatever. And it, it seemed to be softer than anything they had ever felt before, which I could also be like, that's probably a lot of things, because if you're living in a, a, a rural fishing yeah, village, if you're an individual, sh- yeah, yeah. individuals don't <laughs> know got a, a lot of things got a sweet shag carpet and it. it's probably got a little fucking disco ball hanging from their UV. And well, it, and some guy's like, perfect. this bitch has got cake. <laughs> So you're saying this ship had furry walls? Perhaps. Yeah. Well, and she had cake. She's smoking a Jeffrey. I, I wonder if life slipped her a Jeffrey. <laughs> stroke a furry wall. <laughs> Happens, man. Does happen. It's fuzzy furry Careful. walls. God. Um, another point that was that that stood out is that inside they found some type of strange writing etched into the walls. So writing that was unfamiliar to them and they couldn't uh they couldn't identify what it was. Hieroglyphs. Perhaps, yeah. Some people have, have mentioned you, that some type of hieroglyphics, perhaps, or did you guys see the pictures of the symbols? No. I don't know if they have actual no, pictures. I couldn't actually find like I have I have the pictures of it. Um, sure, yeah. Yeah. Hold them up for hold them up. Hold them up. Quick. Hold them up. Let's get Is it. it cool? Well I'll talk about what I noticed when I saw them, but so those ones in the oh, middle there looks like runes. Right there. Why wow, this is awkward. No, I, right there. I see it. Yeah. I see them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you know what's cool about that though is it to- like if you compare it to the uh, symbols that were found at uh, the Rendlesham Forest incident. Right on the craft. The triangle with the two circles, it's pretty much the exact same fucking symbol. Ew, so where did they pull did they pull those symbols from the actual from the book the books, the descriptions in the books or the stories or yeah, well, it's the original drawing. Apparently, this is the original drawing, not the one Zell showed us. That's the original drawing. And then next to it is the those And that's symbols. where they pulled those images for. Or that's the where they pulled from. those symbols from. Because remember, it was see-through, right? You could see perfectly through the fucking glass, and that's where they copied the... Okay, well, the one, the, the one I showed you is from, like, the main one, but there is, yeah, there's this one as well. So you're saying those are the symbols right there? Yeah, right yeah, there. There's more than a few representations, like, pictures of this, like, illustrations of this this legend so there's a there's like a triangle with a circle there's like a weird and then there's like so there's a triangle with one circle a triangle with two circles and then two other weird characters right they're more it looks more like shapes like it's yeah the one right there that's rendell so rendlesham forest has is a triangle with two circles but the circles are on the opposite side of this one in different spots yeah yeah huh well that's kind of crazy pretty fucking cool 
Yeah, it is I cool. mean, what is it like a hundred years difference though? Like, didn't I, wasn't Rendlesham Forest in like the 1980s? Yeah, it was like 170 years difference, but yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you, we all know how good I am at math, so there's that. <laughs> hey, if if this is an e, if say it was an ET craft, there's n- there's no saying that they couldn't use the same symbols for the last 170 years. Why not? Well, maybe it's just a different like it's fucking Star Command and Starfleet. I don't know. Oh, Buzz Lightyear two, and Star Trek nerds. Two separate factions. Two separate. Yeah. One of them's going infinity and beyond. The other one's going to fucking Japan. So what else? Did, so when the villagers went into the ship, anything else of noticed? They didn't see any like no visible, con- like no controls or wheel or anything that you would normally steer a ship with, right? It was just like a cake. <laughs> yeah, cake and some meat, apparently. Yeah, I didn't see any. Um, I didn't see any descriptions of what would have appeared to have been controls for the ship. Um, there were some what could probably described as rations or something that were that they said that there was some type of meat or something that had been bound in string uh to, you know uh, to be i assume that the the lady had been eating um but other than that i don't think there's any description of anything that resembles a controlling mechanism of any kind like no, nothing that stands out as like futuristic tech no i mean there's there's no description of like you know anything emitting lights or um, levers or anything really mechanical about the the whole ship, or at least that they that the, that the individuals 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 <laughs> uh, describe in in their account. So, and from like I was reading different accounts, right? Because there's like three different main stories, right? And then we're mainly focusing on the fucking rabbit garden one or whatever. Seems to be most popular. But, yeah. And another one, they, they explained that when they like ushered her back onto her ship, they like repaired it for her. They took it apart to have a look and see what like the inner workings of it was and put it back together. So if they did that, they definitely would see some fucking technology. Like they obviously knew what they were working with if they're able to take it apart and put it back together, I'd imagine. Well, if, yeah, yeah, there was like, there's like three stories of it, but this one is like, I guess the, the more of the, the main story, but it's, yeah, it's hard to tell. But yeah, if they could say they did take it apart, then that means it was not. Couldn't have been that advanced. Couldn't have been that advanced. If they, I mean. Or perhaps it was just a modular, it's some type of modular craft. So it's like, it comes apart in pieces, but then you can put it back together or easily reassemble it. So it's like, maybe they took it apart, cleaned it and then put it back together. And they don't understand necessarily how it all works, but they just put it back together and, and, Right. what they thought it was i mean i know mean, nobody ever got a look inside the box maybe inside the box is the actual control mechanism for the craft itself or the power source that's the power source in the box in the box um well also every old man in the village just wanted to get a stick and push her back out to see that like this <laughs> let's not deal with this uh, this is too much for uh, let's well it, get it, her back out well, there it's a foreigner. But if, if this was if if this is really like we talked about that, I'm butchering the fucking translation. The the Saku, the Sakoku, or whatever that you know, they're basically on isolation on this island. Any like leaving or going or like I'm sure fraternizing with fucking new people would probably be punishable by death, right? So they're probably like, you need to get the fuck. Yeah, out of there here, is lady. there is some mention of of uh, suspicion of her perhaps being a spy or something like that from mm-hmm. a different country or thing. So yeah, there was a lot of uh, a very prominent isolate isolationist attitude at the time. Yeah. So if anything, that's probably the nicest thing they could do is be like, all right, kick rocks. Well, see you later. <laughs> 
yeah, I, most of the time I think this account, they count because uh, like we've already mentioned, there are probably more than a few versions of this story. The story is relatively popular. It popped up in a couple of publications at the time or between the time that it happened. So that 22 years, it, it's popped up in a couple of things. And the the actual story itself became popularized in, in, you know, in the culture of Japan. So you see it popping up in other places, actually. So... Yeah, uh, sending her off is, pro- is is the mo- probably the most popular ending to the story is that they just kind of packed her up and like, okay. Whoop. <laughs> uh, the, so the, there's different versions of the story, but the ship either washes, washes to shore or they go and like wrangle it to shore. But either mm-hmm. way, they pull it in. This girl gets out. She doesn't look anything like, she's not Japanese. She looks foreign. But they can't talk it, to her. They can't. They can't communicate. They can't speak with her. So, but in every version of the story, it's them putting her back on the ship and then just pushing her back to sea. Yeah. <laughs> get out of here. And they just poke her. Sayonara. Just get off the shore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, what, I guess, what do you do in that? <laughs> so, if you're like completely closed off, you're completely nationalist, like it's Japan only, the rest of the world doesn't really exist to you. You don't want to exist. Some- yeah, I mean, it was pretty much like national edict at that point. Like, we're not going to have any contact with the outside world at this point or any of the Western world. So uh, their only trading partner was or only Western European trading partner was the Netherlands. That was it. Like, that's all you pretty much got. Um, I mean, if maybe she if, if she was a little bit more inconspicuous, not with like fucking bread ass hair and a weave and crazy clothes, they could probably like help her blend in and, you know, pull a Milan maybe. Get her all hiding and everything will be okay. I understand that that's China, but anyways, you know, like blend her in to make sure, you know, she flies under the radar, but she would stick out like a sore thumb. Like you get busted in no time. Yep. Now, why um, then why the Netherlands? Why why was that the only trading partner? I think the first ones, I think they're the first ones to really get there. The first ones to actually sail that far. Yeah. And then Japan. make like make um to make real contact and then be like established like trading things. Cause I think they were just like, we don't want everybody coming in here and fucking up our economy because <laughs> there was a period that there was there was a period after that um like uh, like in like probably like probably actually like right after they like into the 1800s that's when Jap- japan actually started to open up like mid 1800s and then that's when you get a lot of um the uh, what is it like the the meiji rest restoration which was essentially like a renaissance and that's when they become like we need to catch up to the outside world and then you get the stuff like the tom cruise movie and the, the, that kind of stuff going on, right. you know, they're bringing in all the technologies and stuff and then put in the, uh, put the, the Japanese spin on a lot of it. So, um, but, but previous to this, it, it really was like around this time, it was still kind of nobody ever really had any contact with the outs, with the Western world or anything beyond that. So. Right. Hmm. Now there's a, there's some theories on what this cr- floating craft could be, this unidentified floating craft that we're going to get to immediately after we refill some beers and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Eric. And I'm Mark. And we're the hosts of Lorehammer, a Warhammer 40k podcast. Are you tired of constantly being probed by the greys? For information, of course. Sick of the reptilians spending your tax dollars on their underground cities' roads? And as for our benevolent space brothers, the Nordic aliens, with their tall bodies and their perfectly cut blonde hair, their 
blue eyes glistening in the sun, their muscles Whoa, Eric, that's rippling. enough. Oh, Keep it together. Uh, well, if you're not turned away yet, you should head over to Lorehammer and check out the wonderfully horrific world of Warhammer 40k. It's chock full of hundreds of alien species, a galaxy full of conflict and never-ending war. So if you're sick of being taken advantage of by aliens, join us as we talk about humanity kicking ass and grinding up xeno-civilizations, then shooting their remains into the sun. The xenos only crime? Existence. So that's fun. In each episode, we try to take a singular topic in the universe and regurgitate it in an easy-to-digest manner. Yeah, we're gonna mama-bird you. So prepare yourself for hours of nonsensical talk, stupid and pedantic arguments about things that aren't even real, and let's not ever forget many, many, many alien species. You can find Lorehammer on Spotify and follow our socials. And remember, in the grim darkness of the far future, there are only two types of aliens. Ones that are dead. And ones that are about to be dead. All right, we're back. So you had the, um, you have this, the strange looking foreign lady holding on to this box. And mostly people have no idea what's going on, but, uh, it's said that an elder of the village actually came forth with an idea that perhaps Hmm. this was a princess of some foreign country. And perhaps this princess had been married or but actually took a commoner as a lover. And so as punishment, her father, who had been a king of this foreign country, took her lover's head and chopped it off, put it in a box, (laughs) put her inside this 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 ship and kicked her off to the ocean because that's what you did back then, I guess. I'm so much happier with that story, though, because I've. For some reason, I thought it was a fucking like a little little box filled with like a Voldemort fetus, <laughs> you know, like the I one just, hanging out of the fuck under the bench on the last Harry Potter. Mm, like, I, I find it, I find it hilarious that like, it, like an elder of the village because they probably lived through like you know, probably like seventeen hundreds Japan is fucking crazy shit. You got like warlords running around and all this crazy shit going on, and they're like, well, you know, the first thing it's it's probably her her. A uh, jilted lover's head in a box. I'm like, what the fuck, granddad? It could be just some jewelry or something. Probably something less important. What? You mean like a hand? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, who puts a head in a box and puts it and takes him off to sea? What it, the fuck? Yeah, this guy was definitely not taken seriously around the campfire because, you know, go ahead. No, that's all I had to say. Because well, you crazy. know why? <laughs> Yeah, because he's been pitching that exact same fucking screenplay for about 10 years now. <laughs> he probably says fucking... that about everything. Yeah, he yeah, probably says like, that oh, about everything. reminds me of this time that this happened. <laughs> no. It's always somebody's head in a box, too, because yeah. he's probably like always saw some kind of executions or something. It's probably just like, that's his frame of reference. It's like, yeah, it's always a head in a box. It's always, it's it was always the early box. script for Seven. Yeah. That's what it was. That's where they drew, <laughs> it was in the box. drew inspiration. Yeah. Perhaps. I just like to think he's the old man who's like everything's like a head in a box. Or he's like, oh, that's a bad grew up from a brew and buried head back there. Like, what? Yeah. Something goes missing from the village. He's like, I bet it was 13 individuals put together some sort of crazy heist where they, <laughs> they shut down the power and water. They're like, power and water? What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and then they put Brad Pitt's wife's head in a box. Yeah. <laughs> What? what? It's like, go ahead, Jimmy. Guess what's inside? What's your present? What's your birthday? What's inside your birthday present? Oh, probably Freeman. a severed head. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Here's a. This is kind of so obviously there has to be right. Like, He's like shaking the box. Hmm, sounds like a severed head. <laughs> like, 
There's albinos of every culture, right? There's got to be Japanese albinos. I'm sure. But they wouldn't, I mean. Doesn't account for the the fact that she wasn't able to speak Japanese. Or she had red hair. Well, yeah, but she had white too. Maybe they just misunderstood, right? Maybe it was kind of like reddish white. Sure. Well, no, because they said it was like the white part was extensions. It was artificially added. Maybe she was trying to hide it. She was trying to fucking dye her hair. Everybody knows when those chicks buy fucking um, box dye. Never so, goes well. You know what I kind of what I kind of thought is is like, I mean, um, and this is gonna we're getting we're getting sci-fi here. Hang on to your butts. Yeah. Hang um, on to your butts. There's like a like you know because a lot of times when I you know I was reading people were like, well, it couldn't be a spacecraft because. Is not designed to be a spacecraft because it wouldn't like part of it was some of it was wood like it wasn't the best design for entry into atmosphere. Um, and then as I was like reading into it and stuff, it, it really reminded me of this uh, like the book Ender's Game. Uh, mm. I don't know if anyone's read it, but later on that. in the series, spoilers alert, um, they basically just they fly in a box essentially that just punches through dimensions mm. right and uh part of me wondered like if this was some sort of like futuristic person from a time and they only had limited supplies because they knew they were only going to have limited like they weren't going to be around for a while and you know the structure and everything of this tiny craft was made to amplify whatever power was in the box or some meditation that would transport you to punch you through a different dimension or somewhere else or even somewhere in time and this lady just happened to do it and was like holy fuck i landed in the ocean <laughs> on a different planet <laughs> in a different planet or or even the same planet maybe just years years in the past or Skip something time. and she's just like uh okay yeah like and these people are being really friendly so she's just like playing along she's just like yeah like all right she's chilling for a bit and they push her back out to sea, and then she pieces back to where she was supposed to go. But basically, you have to throw up our concept of like space travel and stuff and just be like, well, maybe this is something that works in a frequency that we don't even understand. And this craft just amplifies whatever powers in this box and just moves you and it through through time and know, space, our dimensions as we know it. Well, that would have to say, like, because they, they said the top half was made of rosewood. Yeah, but appeared me, to be rosewood. Dude, and the box is the box is just filled with different crystals that have been charged in a full moon. Well, that's what I mean. If it appeared to be rosewood, maybe it was just like some like, you know, some weird alloy or something that resembled rosewood, but it was actually super strong and it could, you know. Well, I mean, yeah, like we said, they, these are individuals. They're fisher folk. They're from fisher. a rural fishing village. <laughs> they would probably they only have so much frame of reference to lean on. So it's like if they were going to see something that they weren't necessarily familiar with they would probably just choose uh whatever description that is closest to what they're familiar with so it could have been something that you know they said it resembled rosewood but it could perhaps be some type of i mean there there's plenty of science fiction books where like they use trees or some type of plants yeah, wood, man. Dude, yeah that's, they're, that's they, they use trees as as or plants as spacecraft like it's not legit it's in not ender's unusual. game so they, they have a what's called a living tree right and they Groot. and they they have Chopped like a, an AI that works it and they just, they literally just punch the object and themselves through time and space. Right. Using dope. like Einstein Rosen bridge. <laughs> right. It was just like, boop, they're, they're here. And next they kind of 
pop into the chaos and they pop back where wherever they need to be. So either this girl's just a foreigner who uh, had a dispute with her husband and her her dad chopped off her head and... Or, we don't know if it was, head. was it her, lover, been his lover's or foot. Listen, that doesn't make any sense because she would speak Japanese, and if she was from anywhere further, she didn't have enough well, no. supplies to last fucking a voyage. Well, Maybe she did. That, well, that's what makes you wonder if that, like, she's being exiled. So obviously, they don't expect her to survive. They're like, here's a little bit to get you going, but you know, how you doing? Keep it moving. Fuck off. Yeah, but where is she it. coming from? Russia. Well, if they dropped Russia. her, yeah, they could have dropped her off somewhere like in Russia, Russia if they like. Popped her off in like Vladivostok. That's maybe the still a long journey, her. and there's no talk. There's no. There's no talk of her so being it's like. It's easier famished. for me to believe that she's flying in a fucking wooden space cube that they're coming from fucking Russia. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Drifting in the current with limited water and stuff. She still had cake. They didn't say rotted cake. They didn't say meat. She had food prepped. Lots Every of description of her seems like this open to someone who was like you know, uncomfortable in a sense where they didn't know where they were or couldn't converse, but there was no, like she wasn't famished. She wasn't like concerned. She had food. She had food that wasn't rotted on there. She had water left. I'm like, dude, you're just floating in the fucking Pacific ocean from Russia to Japan. Well, if you look at the world map though, the current is taking you. Yeah. Okay. Well, if we zoom out, it looks real close together, but it's it's pretty far. Yeah. But I'm saying if, if, how like how far of a float if you look at the north end of japan and like there's like a russian island i can't read obviously cannot read it well it's like a, if the, the place that we're talking about or where where the events described to have taken place is like on the eastern coast of japan there so it's like midway down so we're like a thousand kilometers from russia or so yes probably i'm not looking at a map but i'm looking yes. at a map right now <laughs> and judging by the legend it looks from the closest point of russia is about a uh, a 1,000K, which is pretty far. Mm. So you would need ample supplies to be able to drift that far. Okay, sure. All right, so she didn't come from Russia. What if she came from Atlantis? From Atlantis. So this is another theory that some people go she came with Atlantis. Up, Atlantis up, up, or up Atlantis? one of the other sunken cities could be perhaps that the, one of the other theories that Mu Mu is thrown Lemuria? out there as well. What? Was it Lemuria? Yeah, Lemuria, Lemuria Mu, could possibly. Atlantis? Yeah. One of those. So this is just <laughs> the story of Ariel. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like it. Red hair. She wants to go where the people go. Yeah. Right. Shining. Mm-hmm. Dingle hoppers, man. Dingle hoppers. Yeah. I'm not gonna start saying it. <laughs> you should have. <laughs> I was waiting. Cue it up. <laughs> like, uh, I guess Japan has its own kind of long history of things that perhaps seem a little bit strange or could could even point towards uh, extraterrestrial intervention of some type. Oh, for sure. Um, so like an, uh, like a, either an alien culture, or perhaps even like if we talk about Atlantis or a Moo or Moo, which is, is theorized to be of located somewhere. I think Lemuria is more supposed to be somewhere in the Indian ocean. I think Moo is, is probably perhaps more in the Pacific ocean. So probably, those, those were the, the more likely the three kingdoms, the three warring kingdoms from like the lore of like the, they were right. actually at all at battle or something. Mm-hmm. Atlantis and, and so, Lemuria. Yeah. And if, if she perhaps came from one of those cultures, <laughs> um, it, there are, there are stories in Japan that could possibly point that way as well. So you have these things called Dogu, mm. um, 
I don't know if you want if Zell, you want to pull those up, but they're they're these these small clay figures which are mysterious in origin. I mean, they know where they're from, but they don't know exactly like why these people made them and why they decorated them or designed them that the way that they did. But if you look at these figures, a lot of the ones that the more popular ones, they're little iconic ones. Oh man, they look like putties. Look at those fucking things. Bastards. If you're if you're not watching, you're just listening. They are little figurines shaped. Some of them look like they're wearing like almost like you know space like suit. space helmets. Right. Uh, I think they call. I can't. I don't remember the exact name for it, but that like they talk, they call them like goggle eyed, like literally the translation is like, it's like Shokaku something like it's um, the goggled eyed figurines. Yeah. And it's like the, they wear, it looks like they're wearing some type of like, you know, uh, like sunglasses or visors of some type. They have a, just, they have all these kind of like details and stuff on them that resemble spacesuits like it could very much be interpreted that way they look futuristic for sure like and there there are hundreds of these figures there are some figures that are more um they're more intricate than others but a lot of the ones that you see kind of out there uh, that are uh described as kind of the typical the typical uh examples of these figures are the ones that look very much like what you could perhaps see like a somebody wearing a spacesuit yeah, so. they they look like they're wearing futuristic clothing. So w- where's the inspiration for those those dogus? Yeah, and these I mean these dogus are old. They are the these were people kind of uh, archaeologists have dated them from the the Jomon period of Japanese uh, prehistoric Japanese history. So that's somewhere between that's between like fourteen thousand and four hundred BC, which is a big range, but it's still like it's ancient ancient Japan. Mm-hmm. that's yeah well before you know well before modern history and these things have been around for that long i mean even like even japan itself the goddess is the goddess that's like what's the what's the religion shinto in japan mm-hmm. the main like the main religion or at least used right. to be as well as one yeah it's one of the more popular religions at least or what, that was the dominant religion for a long for time a long yeah. time their goddess was amaterasu which is like the amaterasu yeah. amaterasu mm-hmm. So like that's like the sun goddess like then that's even on their flag now like the rising sun is like that's still based on this like central theme of like this god came down and the first emperor of Japan claimed to be from descended from the goddess you know right so like I mean as far as many many religions like there's always like you know something that comes from the sky like a goddess a, a deity so like in Japan you ha- like you have this goddess and you have all these figures so a lot of people say like well, I mean, I would say a lot of people, but some people say, if you dig through the internet, that maybe whatever this this being was that came in the ship was maybe, you know, like the a goddess or something, like an alien coming back just to just do a quick check in, you know, not yeah. not looking uh, too J- conspicuous. Japan has a rich and complex folklore and history that a lot of it, if you go back and examine it through the lens of perhaps the 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 theory. Of some of these things were perhaps extraterrestrial. I think one of the best examples is probably the Japanese Tengu. And if you know the Tengu, it's a type of um, it's a type of yokai, uh, the word for kind of supernatural being that's Japanese use. And it is the 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 typical one is kind of it, it's it's pretty much a humanoid figure. So you have like a you know two arms, two legs, head, whatever, and then it also has like bird like wings. And in the 
older versions of the descriptions you have, it, it has like a beak. So it's, it's very much like a bird person, you know, um, bird man, bird person. a bird man, if you will. I like bird person. A bird, a bird, person. bird person. A, bir- a bird individual. Bird individual. <laughs> I like that. Here we go. Bring it around. And, um, if I were to go back and be like, okay, this is if if you wanted to be like, okay, I'm looking for perhaps uh, clues, or I'm looking for examples of 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 legends that could be critically examined to be like, okay, maybe this is perhaps some actual evidence of extraterrestrial contact. Like a tengu would be my go to for Japan for for Japanese because you have these these creatures that are they're flying they're they're able to fly they have the power of flight right um you wouldn't be able to really describe anything back then um flying without wings and also there's a there's also a common theme in a lot of tengu legends where that these tengu were actually accompanied by uh, events in the sky so you had uh, you know either shooting stars or objects moving through the sky and you would have these tengu appear you know, either before or after these, these, these celestial events. Um, yeah. So it, it, when I look at it, if I looked at it with, with the idea to be like, these were perhaps extraterrestrials, I'd be like, well, maybe that beak is actually some sort of mouth covering or something like that. A like mask. It, it's a, a, a no. uh, some type of mask, a Respirator. breathing apparatus of some type. Some type of regulator. Yeah. Yeah. And so these shooting stars or these celestial events are not just things, meteorites or meteors or things like that. It's actually perhaps a craft coming to pick them up or some type of transport. Um, they're able to fly. They're able to, um, you know, they interact with people, but not to like such an extent that people are like, I, I you know, I want to see one on a daily basis, but they are, they're considered some type of supernatural being with supernatural powers. So. That would be that would be That'd where be. I would put my money on to be like if there were extraterrestrials that were being described as in legend as supernatural creatures, I'd be like the Tengu. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, they sound like it at least, right? Yeah, as far down. as description wise. Now, as far like Japan is, and there's I mean, there's a lot of lore and stuff we could go through, but so we got we got to keep it short tonight. But there's this one. This one like granite stone that's carved there. I I don't want to try and pronounce it because I'm going to butcher it. Dan, you know what is it? The starts with the M. The, the Masuda no Iwafune. Masuda yeah. no Iwafune. It's yeah. it, it, tra- yeah. it translates the Masuda is the region, but it translates so the region the rock ship of that region is the no Iwafune rock ship. Iwafune. Iwafune. It translates to rock ship, right? Mm-hmm. So sounds awesome. It's, yeah, it is. A, it is a um, it is a brilliantly carved or ingeniously carved uh, megalithic structure. Like it seems to be a carved of one piece of stone, at least as far as I know. Um, and, and, and it looks it, so fucking out of place, dude. He, it's it's like in the middle of this region, a gigantic like well, I think it's like six hundred ton of pure granite stone carved, and like. Archaeologists archaeologists and stuff say it's some type of tomb. Obviously, it's so old that they never found any bodies in it. But it like, oh, it must have been it must have been carved for a tomb, is what they say. But this is what it looks like. If you're just watch, if just listening and not watching, it's a. It looks like a fucking spaceship, but it's a rock. 
It does, 100%. Right? And that's why I, I'm like, even cool. if we go with the other craft or the other, you know, UF, unidentified floating uh, object, um, if you if we throw out our notion of what we think these things have to be, it's like, if, it, if this just has to be some sort of chamber where you can power something that moves you and this object through space and time, maybe it doesn't have to be, you know, these metal ships and stuff that we think it can be anything. And maybe that's what this is. Oh man. I'm telling you right now, all that thing is missing is a giant eye on the top. And that's like the top of the Technodrome. <laughs> all you need is a Rokusaki hanging out there. After you Master Yoshi. Yeah, exactly. Crang. Right. Okay. So I'm just- <laughs> Got Tatsu hanging out. Some people say when they're talking about this this event that the ship actually they're very similar in because if you look at this if you look at the granite ship it kind of it, like it looks like a it looks like a craft it looks like a like a big saucer kind of but obviously it's got stuff cut into the top. Now I don't yeah. I don't really know exactly I mean granite is a super hard stone to cut I mean it can be cut through diligent process like you just got hundreds of people working day in day out you can eventually cut through granite and carve it out yeah but and i think the the right now the most popular or the most accepted theory in academia is that these were probably leftovers or something from or either like markers for tombs or something like that but there are no tombs there. there's no tombs like there there's no there's, bodies there's, and there's no tombs None at all. And, and it's either like I, I, you could put forth the argument that it's like okay you know in Egypt, right? So you have Egypt that there are probably supposed to be, you know, thousands of tombs on the the Nile or where people have been buried. Uh, grave robbers have been over those things for a hundred. You know, you get a, you get a hundred years, thousands of years, thousands of years. Thousands yeah, of years, yeah but like, Japan's a little different. Island nation, I, yeah. It's an island nation, like very, very culture and like driven and like respectful people. I just don't I think, see. You probably still have. You probably yeah, still have I'm great st- robbers. Yeah, I would. Hundred percent. St- but even though, like, there's still just people. Like, <laughs> people are shitty everywhere. Even if there was grave robbers, like, the, it's just it's stone. Like, it, what are you trying to say about Egyptian people, man? Come on now. <laughs> Love robbing graves. Jeez. Yes, please. Egypt vigils. <laughs> Saw that on my 23 and Me. I'm I'm offended. What's your percentage of uh, Egyptian? Not very. Not very much. much. <laughs> <laughs> no. <it's- laughs> Just enough to warrant the tattoo. Like 15%. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Just enough yeah. to be offended by imprints. <laughs> well, our Casual family initially migrated from <laughs> Egypt from from Egypt to Lebanon, so we're, technically we are Egyptian, but I don't know how far back. Who knows? Who knows? It's a big purple dot in the Middle East and half of Africa. Mm-hmm. There you go. One of the other things, if we want to get into the idea that is perhaps some type of lost civilization or sunken civilization civilization you don't have to actually go that far to find perhaps what is evidence of some type of submerged uh it's, ancient it's bananas culture um you have this you have what is known as the yonaguni monument and you can look this up on google maps like you type yeah. in yonaguni it's monument insane um i actually I actually tried to plan a trip when i was stationed in japan uh, when I was in the Navy, like I started to plan a trip to actually go there, but it's actually kind of expensive to to get to this place because it's kind of out of the way to to get there. But uh, this this structure, submerged word, structure, mm-hmm, was discovered in 1986, and it is a 
what is described as pretty much a very impressive like collection of strangely structured is it is a granite let's say what it looks like at first glance it looks like a megalithic structure like a pyramid or a collection of built at first glance you're like this is for sure it's a pyramid a pyramid of some look at this this fucking thing right if you look if you look at pictures it is like it is these the most typical pictures that you'll come across are these these submerged stone structures uh formations that are cut at impressively regular angles like stair step perfect like 90 degree uh 90 degree angles and and perfectly smooth flat um they're they're extremely it's astonishing like it's underwater it is super is really really cool the the monument ranges from like 40 to 100 feet underwater so it's not that submerged so if say if this was a structure it definitely could have sunk within the last five or 7,000 years or even sooner, depending, because it's such a, you know, we're on the ring of fire here. So like tectonics are huge. So like a big earthquake could drop something into the water. Right. And, and perhaps one of the one of the people who has been studying this for the longest is probably uh, Masaki Kimura of the University of the Ryukyus. Ryukyus. And he had first estimated that this monument was perhaps... 10,000 years old yeah. and he had dated it to that period when this structure would have been above water. But since then he's kind of, he's, he's still working on his theory about where it is. And he has kind of uh, revised it to be like, perhaps this was, is it's not that old, maybe not 10,000 years, maybe like a couple, like a couple less. I think maybe he said like a thousand, 2000 to 5,000. Like he doesn't, right. it's hard to really judge because they've only, they have found like, tools and pottery but it's very scarce and yeah. far between and and this this thing pops up on other like tv shows a whole bunch like you'll see it it's all everywhere the time. Man. and it's it's actually really cool like if you get a chance and you ever want to go with somewhere really neat and out of the way like go there apparently it is one of the it's it's probably one of the best spots in the world i think to actually observe hammerhead sharks this is yeah. it's a really weird phenomenon that there is a hmm. actually weird something's drawing hammerhead sharks there yeah, a lot. Like it is a weird amount of hammerhead sharks. <laughs> the fucking hammer on those on the hammerhead sharks. What what's the they have like that ampullae of Lorenzini, like that extrasensory mm-hmm. organ. Mm-hmm. Something in this fucking monument is drawing them in. Perhaps maybe there's a power Ooh. source there. It's fucking cool, man. Dude, so it's so cool. The only the only thing that gets me though is the sharks geology- are going to this temple and we don't know why they congregate there. <laughs> Um, one of the things that really should be talking about, that's fucking it rad. It is pretty rad. Well, I'm not, I'm not a marine biologist. And I don't know much that Samrad biology. I'm like, not an individual. Dan. Yeah, you're not <laughs> I don't individual. even know why I'm talking about this. Um, one of the things that really gets me about this is at the kind of, uh, the argument about whether these things are natural or man-made structures is you have geologist Robert Schock. And if you've ever watched ancient aliens, you've seen Robert Schock. He is the guy that they, he's their geologist. That he's they the Sphinx bring guy. He's the Sphinx guy. And they bring him in all the time. Um, they brought him in for the, I think they brought him in for the Bosnian. He was, he's the one of the, he went to the Bosnian pyramids and he told, uh, he told the guy, he's like, these are, these are not man. These are not man-made. <laughs> he's the guy who's like, no, they're, these are definitely not. There's no way. Right. 
Um, I like Robert Shock. I like I I I didn't like him at first, but I, I've come around on Robert Shock. That is like he he is a fringe. He's considered a fringe theorist, but he's also uh, you know he, science he, heart like yeah, science he's, yeah, he bases his theories in facts. Like he bases his theory, his theories in facts and observations and, and clinical observations of what he sees. And he's actually been to these and he considers his theory is that these are most likely natural. Um it, he wants to go ahead and and say that this is this is something unusual. It is really cool, but there's another thing that uh, people have observed on the actual islands that are closest to that are above water closest to the Yonaguni monument is that you actually see um, on Yonaguni Island itself and in Okinawa, there appears to be some type of ancient tradition. There's archaeological evidence that of, of humans modifying and enhancing and improving on nature. So they would oh, very much sure. like, yeah, so they would carve out from stone and things like this uh, uh, structures and temples and uh, shrines of that type. So there, there is a kind of theory that's like perhaps it's a combination of the two. It's not just natural, but perhaps it was modified. It, it, it was a, originally a natural structure, but then perhaps modified by man when this, when this terrain was above water at some point. But it is huge. Like, it is really big. Dude, it's 300 meters by 150 meters. Like, this is a, so th- what's a football field's 100 yards, and 100, well, 100 yards is like 115 meters. So, like, the, over three football fields long and one and a half wide. It's when you just Google it, just Google this thing. If you're not watching, Patrick, the, look it up. if you're not watching, yeah, the live it's stream, as big, it's at least as big as when people, it's as big as a stadium. Like is how big this thing is, and there, and there are parts in there that have been described as like there there are structures that seem to be uh, a castle or Dude. some type of arch or perhaps temples. There, the guy, there's a lot of like weird Masaki stuff Masaki Kimura. He he goes into great de- de- detail. He says that there is a castle, an arch, five temples, one large stadium, all of which are connected by roads and water canals and are partly shielded by what could be a huge retaining wall. Yeah. So this it's, guy, it's this guy's gigantic. been diving there for like twenty five years. Like yeah, he's, yeah, he's been at least at least fifteen to twenty years. That he's been studying this thing, dude. And and my uh, personal good friend uh, Graham Hancock has also he wrote a whole book on this. <laughs> he he dove here for like eight years straight, and he wrote a book on it. Like he and he obviously he's convinced because it it does it looks so man made. It it really does. Like at first glance, you look at it you're like it does look like the right angles and the canals. It does look man made. But if you start digging in, the, nature does do crazy shit. Especially yeah, if you look at weathering of unusual, or uh, if you just look up like unusual weathering, weathering of granite or sandstone, you'll see that nature has a lot of ways to make things look extremely impressive. Well, not, look not so much granite, but definitely structures. Definitely sandstone, and we're we're in like a tectonic region, and so that's what Shock was saying in his analysis was like we're in such a tectonic region. And under heavy upheaval of the earth, like it can actually crack the sound sandstone and like right angles and make it look like it was cut. Yeah. And he does, if you go look and he does show examples of other stuff that's similar, but nothing near the scale of this monument. Right. And one of the other kind of There's contentions no that they have. There's no was, way that's natural. That whole thing is natural. Some people say Not it a is. Chance. We got to say what it, we got, we got to go with all the a full yeah. encompassing theory. Some people say it is. And some people say there's no chance. This is fucking Atlantis. 
Right. One yeah. of the, one of the other um, people point to as perhaps like indication that these were man-made is that there's no, there is no like debris. There's no natural debris around it, or there doesn't seem to be. There's not a lot of like natural um, chunks broken off or, or things like that. But then shock says like, cause this is like, this place is surrounded and large, like very strong currents go through this area. Super so strong. that was one of the things that shock says, like you could, yeah, that, that current away. could just take that thing right off. Like if there was a chunk, it would take it, it'd be gone, you know? <laughs> well, and, and they also say like Kimura, the guy's been diving here, says there's like natural etchings or not natural. He says he claims they are human etchings, but they're been overgrown in like barnacles and whatever else. So and shock and others are like, no, that's natural formations from rocks grinding together. But this guy's convinced that this is a art, like a man-made, or at least a man, like it man helped shape it. Yeah. I think that that is central to his theory that there is perhaps some type of human or because usually in megalithic structures, other. like you see stacked stone, right? And this does not look it does look like a piece of stone. It really yeah. does. It looks like a giant. Like a huge rock that's it's been all like shaped. yeah, it's just a single piece of stone. But it looks shaped. It does look shaped. Like it looks like there's tiers and stairs and hallways and yeah, it, intelligently carved. You know, it like, does, it, at it, first glance, it man, if you just if you dove into this and you'd never seen it before, you'd mm-hmm. be like, holy you'd fuck, be like, this is lose my fucking mind. Yeah, it looks fucking <laughs> I'd crazy. Be like, man. This is where Cthulhu lives. We need to go right <laughs> get now. The, get the fuck we need off. to leave. We're gonna awaken some ancient evil. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, thank you. <sighs> yeah. So on that theory, like, say this, like this, it was an unidentified floating object, and say it was an extraterrestrial, and it maybe you know just coming to check out it's like some ancient land. Like you know, I've, I've been floating here. Maybe she was diving, checking out Yonaguni, and she just wanted to check what the, what the people are like, you know, on Japan now after it's been thousands and thousands of years. I don't know, but the Yonaguni thing is just—it's mind-boggling when you look at it. I know I can't get over it. I loved, but they—they yeah, they do say like huge currents, so only experienced divers, or you have to go with like one of those. Uh, yeah. Like when those little torpedo things, like the propel, mm-hmm. the, the, the little propel, like the propellants, scooters, yeah, scooters. the little yeah. underwater, underwater scooters, scooters, so you can get through the current. I don't know. It's, it's pretty, pretty cool. Uh, is there any, yeah. any other ET things about that we can kind of link together here? I, I think that's. I think that's all. I think it pretty much covers most of the stuff that pretty much most of the shit came across. I mean, Anything else we'll probably bring up on a later case files. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's just like one of the older ones we've got into, right? Like such an old. Yeah, it's story. a, it's a weird popular legend in Japan that is kind of like this sounds really, really weird and really, really strange, and it's been picked up in more recent years. And when, yeah, like I, um, when I talked about the Japanese Tengu, when you go back and with the idea of reinterpreting or exa- critically examining events or legends through the lens of the you know perhaps these were extraterrestrial encounters as opposed to some type of supernatural or something like that then this is one of the ones that kind of strikes you as being like huh there might be something there yeah well there's there's weird weird stuff to it so it's yeah you know makes for an interesting case Uh, i still think it's some sort of fucking some craft that is just out of our 
knowledge of someone from the future. Transcending punch dimensions. It, transcending dimensions in time and just punch that thing right through time and space. Popped out right on the edge of Japan. She wasn't Japanese. She came from somewhere else. She didn't speak the language. She had weird runes and symbols engraved on the ship. I mean, the ship is, some people say like, oh, this is definitely a, a flying, you know, it's a flying sauce. No, it was, there's no evidence that it was flying. It was floating. So it's an unidentified floating object. Maybe it did fly. Maybe after they, you know, all the old. Maybe it crashed in the water. Yeah, maybe it crashed or like it came from, because like, we always talk about underground submerged bases and stuff like, or under uh, underwater bases. Mm -hmm. So maybe, like, yeah, maybe something happened and she's floating on the surface waiting to get rescued. <laughs> maybe they had an underwater observation post somewhere. Yeah, and, and she wa she washes up. Wrong. She washes up these, the villagers, they scoop her up. They, they're like, oh, you know what? She's not from here. We can't have this. They just put her back in, give her some food and just poke her back out to sea where eventually she gets rescued by her ET comrades and off she goes. Right. Well, maybe her, maybe the box was her, uh, her distress beacon. Like maybe that's what it was. And then they came and picked her up. That is like, one, that is one of the mystery still is what's in the box. I mean, what's in the box? What's in the you box? Have no idea. Andrew, what do you think? Um, I like, I like the time travel idea. I think that's pretty neat. Um, but mostly I think it's just a fairy tale. I think it's a, story that's been passed down from individuals to other individuals <laughs> throughout the last 22 years before the book was written. I think the story got a little bit more grandiose and exciting and more elaborate. And, and that's kind of my take on it. I like the idea of, I like, it makes sense to me that this woman was exiled for whatever reason. I buy that, but I don't know. It was Stop. cool. It was fun to theorize on. From where? Where would she be exiled from? Uh, from whatever country that she's from initially. I don't understand why that's so hard to fathom. Because it's such a, it would be such a long trip floating. Okay. And she had food. So, okay. They didn't, we didn't get into extreme detail and everything. It was cake. Maybe it was rotten. Maybe it wasn't. Who knows? Maybe it was some type mm -hmm. of fucking cake that was made to preserve. Like when you say cake, that's translation from fucking Japanese. We don't know exactly what it was. It's mm. true. I mean, Cake could have been some type of fucking jerky and some type of rice cake that could be dehydrated or some yeah. shit. Who cake, knows? Cakes full of sugar. I mean, it can last a long time. Yeah, like I don't, I don't understand why that's such a huge sticking point. But all right. Anyways, it's a, if you never, this is one that actually we've. It's not a very well documented case. Like, there's not a lot of podcasts or videos or there's not a ton of research on it. It's kind of like a. It is more of like it's folklore. It's a fairy tale, but well, conne but connected to just, the rest. Maybe of the stuff. it's just a piece of a bigger puzzle. Yeah, so. connected to all the other stuff in Japan. Like you know, maybe, maybe it's. But it, yeah, it's it, it was fun to get into some something a little Connect different. Connect the dots, people. Connect it. Yeah, it's interesting. Get in sure. there, look it up. All right, here we go. I got randomatron coming up. Space news. Printing Couple space out. news. Uh, first off, uh, if you live anywhere on Earth, there's a small <laughs> chance you might die in the coming days, and it's all <laughs> thanks to China. 
Thanks, China. Um, <laughs> I'm calling it the death lottery. Um, <laughs> well, your chances, your chances of dying are higher than, than normal. Are normal. Um, well, it's not every day there's a chance of a 21-ton core stage of a rocket is going to smash into you. Um, recently, China launched the Long March 5B Y2 rocket into space. And it carried its first space station module into orbit. Uh, the launch was an absolute success, except for one problem. Uh, the 21-ton core stage of the rocket uh, drifted into orbit instead of falling back uh, to Earth. It's in low so Earth now, orbit. Yeah. Now it's in low Earth or orbit, and it's scheduled to make an uncontrolled re-entry into the Earth's atmosphere over the next few days. Um, they don't know where, they don't know when, but this thing's coming down. Their hopes are it comes down in the water, you know, but it, SpaceX had an uncontrolled, uh, re-entry a couple months ago and it, we, you know, people thought it was UFOs coming and attacking. It was a spectacular, uh, display and some debris landed in a farmer's field. No one was injured. This thing is a lot bigger. It's the biggest uncontrolled re-entry of a spacecraft of all time. Yeah. So, um, like I said, um, keep those eyes on the skies because it might be your last. <laughs> it might, well, they're saying it's probably going to burn up more or less and, and re-entry, but small part of, like small fragments may, may still rain randomly across the fucking Earth. So there's a higher <laughs> chance than normal that you'll be smashed with a space debris. Yeah. And they're like, it's part of like the space pack. Like no one's supposed to do this. You're supposed to control your descent. And now two, this has happened twice now to the same lifter. So like yeah. China, come on, you know, at Just, least uh, plan it a little better. Take your umbrellas when you go out folks. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah, so good. There's a small, there's a, it's a very, very small chance, but we're saying there's a chance that someone may be struck by the stray fucking oil. Straight space 21 debris. ton fuselage. <laughs> so heads up, East Coast, USA, all the I way I think over. if it smacked into your front yard, you'd probably make some bank now. You'd probably get some compensation. I mean. That's my yard. That's my property now. I'm keeping it's it. It's mine now. Yeah. I own it. Don't you dare come here. <laughs> Zelzy eating a chunk. First thing, first thing I'm doing is biting a piece off the wing. And uh, uh, other space news we got to talk about. Four astronauts landed back safely in the middle of the night off the Crew Dragon for the first time. Woo! Dragon, we, dragon, rock the dragon. Launched it up on a used used, used lifter, brought them back in the capsule. Private space, man, is exploding. So, it's not, cool stuff is happening. It's not just NASA anymore. Got a bunch of companies on the up. Yeah, private companies just like sending people up and down from space. Like, fuck, it's cool. Yeah. Sweet. It, it was a pretty quick descent, too. They, they like It was like 8.35 p.m. May 1st. They they launched in 2.56 a.m. on May 2nd. They landed in the Gulf by Panama City. Well, so. not just that, but I remember I watched the video of when like the new crew, like the crew... Uh, got on the ISS or whatever when they they came out of the pod, or they came out of the craft, and this like it, it struck me as really funny that 
everybody wears. They have like space khakis. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what the? F- is this like your formal wear? It's like you got these. They got these like space khaki pants that yeah, they wear. I'm like, dude, I would pockets. wear a jumpsuit. Like when I was in the Navy, I wore a fucking. It's like you just wear your overalls like 24 seven. Like, I don't know. It's like you have space khakis on. And they got little belts and stuff. And I'm like, how are you not just wearing sweatpants like all the time? <laughs> yeah, I thought that was really funny. It's like, oh man, somebody had to design space khakis, like zero G khakis. There's a, there's a job for everybody. Someone's got to do it. Whatever. Um, that's it for space news. Let's uh, let's wrap this up. We've been going a little longer. Um, the meat draw is coming up. Anyone uh, for April, um, if you're a ten dollar tier or more on Patreon, you'll be entered and. Uh, because we didn't post it on Instagram, it's if you ran 50 kilometers or more in the running challenge, your name's entered to win the Mitra. So uh, stand by for that. And we also have to determine what we're what our prizes get. prizes, what prizes for, prize. the, for the Mitra winners. I think yeah, la- what full. did we do last year? Three or five? We're going to talk about more in after hours, and we'll announce more yeah. on the next case file. But uh, before we read some new Patreons, we got to give a theorite of the week. I believe he's now a two-time. Two-time. It was posted two-time. earlier. Free wheeling Seth Cornelly bought him yeah. and his two kids ATT t-shirts. Took a picture. Dude, and started early. early. Man. <laughs> also, this yeah. is the guy who asked us early on in the podcast if he could use our logo for his jump jersey for skydiving. Nice. That's right. And that's, that's right. Us. That's when he went won it the first time, and now he's got his kids on the show. I'm, I don't know if they're listening to the show, but he's got him a T-shirt at least. Don't. So <laughs> maybe you shouldn't yeah, let your kids listen. Sharp, boys. Don't let your kids listen to the show till they're at least sixteen. Yeah, just in case. But Seth Seth Cornelly, theorite of the week, two time. We appreciate it, brother. All right, and if you're not supporting the show already, you want access to the live stream. Early access to the shows on all the bonus goodies, head over to patreon.com slash alien theorist podcast or just find the link in the podcast description. All right. These this week's theorites of the fuck idiot. This week's <laughs> Patreon supporters <laughs> are Spicoli, a top tier pledge by Hayden. Thank you very much. Woo-hoo. Mush Life. Sheila, Ram Tuhal, Austin Kip, Brandon Gibson, Zach, Eduardo Guerrera, and Mike Hunt. Thank you very much for supporting the show. If you got any questions on how it works, please reach out and let us know. What was that last name? Mike Hunt. Mike Hunt. Mike Hunt. Got it. Yeah, yeah perfect. What nice. do you think? Mike Hunt? Nothing. No Nothing. Seymour Butts this week? Uh, no IP release? Keep those eyes on the sky. Right, Amanda hug and kiss. Hey.